It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in on a rainy uh, Tuesday. It's nice for you to be with us uh, here, PJ Show. On this seventeenth uh, day of uh, January, as we uh, have quite a bit to break down here today, Ben B Baby Byram, all over that soundboard there, the handsome Hi, shirt I might have. Thank you. I, I got added. old part Pete up here. Yeah, look at you. It's good looking. Good looking fit. Um. So we've got a lot of ECU news to get to today. Uh, we got some comments from Coach Swartz we'll get to today in uh, less than 20 minutes. We're going to have uh, Travis Hancock, part of the morning team for WFNZ Sports Radio in Charlotte, the great state of Mecklenburg, my new BFF. We were on the Adam Gold Roundtable the other day. He used to get uh, Matt Rule on, I believe. Did he? Yeah, I believe he was the one that used to get Matt Rule on every once in a while. Or I could see that. He's a very charming fella. But... um. We'll ask him, speaking of Matt Rule, about what's going on with the, the, the search to permanently replace Matt Rule. Seems like uh, there's, there's a lot of questions. So we'll get a hold of him, and we'll see how it, uh, how it plays. Uh, in the meantime, much to get to here today. It's almost like we need to do a pirate report, uh, Ben, but we reserve that you know with the coach's comments. But we, I don't know if we'll get to the coach's comments today. I'd save them for tomorrow. I don't know. But here is, um, well, there's no law that says we can't do two pirate reports. Here is today's pirate report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. A bit of breaking news that dropped here on the station last night on Inside ECU Athletics with uh, Coach Mike Swartz on the radio program. You heard it right here. On 94-3, the game. You know, I think right now he, he is out, and I think, you know, at least for the immediate future as he's trying to get nail it down exactly, uh, you know, what the process is in terms of him getting healthy again. I think he'll be out for the for the foreseeable future, and, you know, and I think we'll, we'll keep going from there. But but Javon's with us. He's with the team. He'll be with us. He just have, We have to get him healthy. His his health is, is obviously priority number one. When he kind of got banged up at yeah. the end of the Cincinnati game, that's what's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. where he's at right now. He's talking about Javon Small there who did not play on Sunday and uh, used the words uh, not with us for the foreseeable future. It's not indefinitely, but that's probably a next step over or down from that. And, Ben, I don't think there's any two ways about this. That creates a real difficulty for, for ECU. Not just you're losing his scoring, but you're losing his playmaking ability. You're losing what he brings to you defensively. You're losing his three-point shooting and finishing ability. Uh, you're losing what he does at the foul line, but you're losing kind of your lead guard, and that all of a sudden becomes problematic. Now, I, I, you know, they've had some days to practice with this where maybe the best representation of themselves was not put out there in this incarnation 
on Sunday, but it still is a pretty big blow, I have to imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of put it really good there. He's kind of the glue that holds the team together in terms of his playmaking ability. I think he leads the conference in assists right now, and he's a really, actually a really good rebounder at the point guard position. And you mentioned his three-point ability and whatnot. Um, he does what you need to do, just not necessarily to win, but just what the team needs in that moment. He's going to make sure he makes the right play. And when you don't have that, especially with a young team like this, uh, you're going to take a big hit. I mean, there's no two ways about it. There's no sugarcoating it. I mean, that's a huge loss. So we'll uh, be keeping an eye on how all that plays out tomorrow um, when the Pirates will be back in action against Temple. We'll hear more from Coach Swartz coming on in just a little bit. Uh, some breaking news as far as uh, ECU football goes. Do we have a breaking news sounder, Ben? Let's, uh, let's, let's tee that up. Breaking. This just in. Breaking news. This is a special report on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Here's it is a special. Johnson. Oh, I forgot this. Yes, very special report. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Yes, the Pirates. As we were sitting here yesterday, Ben, if you'll remember, 24 hours ago, and we were pontificating on what East Carolina would do moving the Brigham Young game from 2024 to 2025. What would the Pirates do? We... We said, well, UConn, they're, it's a, it'd probably be a one-year thing, but there they are. They're a uh, an independent needing games. In, uh, Notre Dame, from what we could tell, needed a game. I'd say go to Notre Dame. Go go play the, the Domers, the Golden Domers there under touchdown Jesus. I think that'd be a great little opportunity for the Pirates. And they went with a, a, a one-time independent religious-affiliated school, just not Notre Dame, because... Liberty's now a conference member, uh, but uh, Liberty is going to be the opponent. A game at Liberty in Lynchburg in 24, and then the return engagement in 29 in Greenville. A lot of uh, reaction to that, as you can imagine. A lot of people I'll upset. Say, <laughs> a lot of people well, are very upset. I mean, it's what so, we had to work with. I think there's two things that people are upset about. There are, there are two kinds of upset people in this camp. There are obviously those who do not like liberty based on a value system or a political belief or what and that's fine. We we know who those people are. They tell on themselves constantly. And, you know, they they have their own um belief of liberty the institution. I'm not here to, to their own agenda. Uh, it is an agenda and I'm not here to to get on board with that. I, I I'm frankly don't care, to be quite honest. Uh, so there's that group of people, and we know who those group of people are. We know who they are. Uh, there are also those who think this is not a good football move. And, you know, I, the, the reality is this. And I, I, if, if we were more on top of it, a good host and a good producer would have found the John Gilbert uh, <laughs> audio, but, I mean, he said it, right? What a few last time we talked to him in studio, Ben, he said it. UNC is not returning the calls. And NC State doesn't have any interest in expand in extending the series beyond where it currently is. I remember him saying that on one of our Pirate Game Day countdowns at yeah. Gotti Ficklin. He said, you know, we've been trying to get these big schools, but there's not right. a lot of interest from those sides. He's actually said it twice in the last, what, four months yeah. on our airwaves. Yeah, I mean, even schools like Wake Forest, I mean, we're trying to get a little deal with them going, but 
I mean, that's kind of our well, I mean, options Wake, are right now. Wake, there's that deal in the future, but I mean, Duke's yeah. also presumably not return. Basically, we've had, nobody's returning the call. They don't want to play East Carolina for whatever reason. Mac Brown never has. Cadillac man, Mac Brown has never wanted to play East. He didn't when he was there the first time. And he won't as long as he's there this time. He wants to play with Western Carolina and Mercer, and he wants to treat it like Alabama where they get that one cupcake game, even though they're not even. Well, you know, they play the app, and I mean, that's commendable, I guess, but I mean, that doesn't doesn't help uh, the situation here. Well, he won't play them again. That was a close game, if I remember. He he won't play them no more. Won't be happening again. But, you know, I look now at 2024, and you look at. The, you go to I, I personally would have liked to try to have added a seventh home game. And again, I, who know we don't know what was, who was contacted, who was offered. We don't know if, if any independents were contacted. We don't know if coastal was contacted. We don't know. Well, we're playing catch up. I mean, we got to acknowledge that. I mean, people already kind of well, think this, mapped out. We have to, this kind of, but I think this kind of sets it up for a good yeah. non-conference edition from, from here on out. Yeah. I agree. I don't, I don't have nothing against Liberty in terms of they've been more relevant in football. Like it's just a reality situation. They've been more relevant in football in the last few years than we have been. And not to say we're not getting there. We're obviously getting there, but Liberty's just been more relevant. But if you look at that 24 season now, so you got four non-conference games, Norfolk State, Appalachian State, and Greenville at ODU, which is a game people can, Pirate fans can travel to, not a big stadium, but Pirate fans can travel to. You can travel to Liberty. You've got the four conference home games that season, which will be North Texas, Memphis, Florida Atlantic, and Temple. And then you've got Charlotte, which presumably would be the final game of the year, I would guess, since that's the regular opponent in the scheduling matrix for the American for the Pirates over the next four seasons. I mean, that's nine opportunities to see East Carolina play and, and drive there, not to mention Two of their other three road games are in Tampa, South Florida, and then Birmingham, UAB, which are you know relatively easily to get, relatively easy to get to. So I mean, you could watch in person if you had the desire, the in the travel budget and the entertainment budget, you could watch as many as eleven games in person that year if uh, you wanted to before the bowl game. I look at it this way: I mean, look on the bright side. It could have been if you're a diehard part fan, likes to travel the games, you could have spent your money going all the way to Provo, Utah. <laughs> or you can go make the trip to Liberty. I mean, what's the, what's the problem there? Well, I, again, I, I see what I see both sides of it, but yeah. I, I think that's a trying to be an optimist. I'm trying to change. In no, I, but I think that's a, from a standpoint of regional scheduling, that's a good one to, and that might be the reality for the time being. That just may be the reality for the, for the time being. We will see. Um, and then 29 right now, the home gate, the home dates are ODU and Liberty for your non-conference. But again, it gives you an opportunity to maybe take a game at a place like Michigan or somewhere similar. If you want to do that for, for a check, it also gives you the opportunity to add a seventh home game with an FCS opponent as far out as 29. I personally, I would have liked to have seen that happen in 24 with again, going to somebody who and there's not a, there, the, the pickings weren't exactly uh, plentiful, you know. But could you have gone to UConn and said, "Hey, come down here, and we'll we'll pay you a little bit of money"? But it may not have made sense financially. I don't know. Aren't we even That's going just, around New Mexico State or something like that? Well, they're they're something? now they're now in a conference. 
So there, that's you know, kind of the deal with Liberty, where you thought that would have because that's too less independence. I mean, you, UMass has already got their schedule full for that year. Everybody wants UMass. They schedule them as homecoming, so everybody wants UMass because they're so brutal. But I, you know, I was, I'm not advocating for an FC a, a second FCS because that just makes no sense. But it, but but look, going to Liberty, it, like you say, beats going to Provo, Utah, or Boise, Idaho, or you know, somewhere that people really realistically aren't going to travel to a good amount of fans will travel. There's obviously alumni in Virginia. Lynchburg is a, uh, you know, growing city. So I think that's, that's fine. Uh, some other news from today, uh, on our little, uh, breaking news, uh, round table here to start things as far as ECU is concerned. Uh, the pirates, have uh, made a hire and made an addition to their football staff. Uh, I had it on the screen here. I see what you're doing there, Ben. Uh, Jules Montanar, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, has been named the cornerback coach and defensive pass game coordinator. Uh, he has uh, been coaching now for 14 years collegiately. Most recently was the Temple Corners coach last season. So, uh, Jules Montanar at coach Jules M on Twitter. If you want to follow him, uh, seemingly confirming today, what uh, had been widely reported by, uh, the dirt sheets, uh, coming into, uh, the last couple of days. I say that as a wrestling term because Ben's got, does have the championship belt on that. Hey, the dirt sheets are saying that, uh, I'm the champ. The dirt, I'm the, I, <laughs> the dirt sheets. Well, I'm the, that's a fact. You I'm are the, the PWI uh, wrestler of the year champ of the year. I don't know about that. Um, let's see. Yeah. What else do we have? Is that, uh, confirmed? Our guy gully confirmed that. Malik Did he really? Fleming, yeah. Malik Fleming has hit the portal. Okay. I didn't realize he had eligibility left. I thought he was a senior this year. He, I I believe he even participated on senior day or did the little senior day activities, if I'm not mistaken. So our guy, Eric Gullickson. Gully. I, I see just now you. Yes. Okay. You know, I'd heard that yesterday, and I also heard the reason why that was maybe the case. And it just seems silly. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. Anyway, second team all AAC quarterback. So there's another player in the portal. Uh, ECU starting corner Malik Fleming has entered the port. So good catch there, Ben, because I did not have that on my list. It went uh, under the radar with all this news, and then you yeah yeah. Well, and then there's uh, we've got some baseball news. Do you have center field queued up and ready? To of go course back? I do. And doo doo yeah. Brown over here. Yeah. Here we go. It's that time of the year. D1 baseball. Has your ECU Pirates listed as uh, the number 11 team in the preseason? Pick to win the conference. What's that? Pick to win the conference as well in the coaches' poll. So, coaches' poll came out today, yeah. And the media poll as well. Uh, Number one is LSU, according to D1Baseball.com. Number two is Tennessee. Stanford's three. Ole Miss is four. A&M, Texas A&M's five. Wake Forest checking in at number six. Uh, you have uh, East Carolina at number 11, right behind Vanderbilt. Right behind the Pirates are the Tar Heels at number 12. Eat it. And uh, number 21 is NC State. Eat it. 
so there you go. That's the uh, the deal there. I also saw where uh, uh, I saw where uh, ECU softball was picked uh, sixth in the preseason for the conference. In the conference, conference, yes. got you. For the conference, yeah. Six in the nation. Mm, yeah, not yet. Not, not quite yet. there yet. Not quite there yet. But. So that's that. All right. Um, we've got uh, the latest of what's going on with the Panthers head coaching search. Get a little bit, too, on the game last night. Sort of a local flavor, local thought on that. Uh, when we uh, come back, we've got... Uh, a tremendous guest on with us. Travis Hancock from the WFNZ Morning Show is going to be on uh, with us. So we'll look forward to having him on when we come back. Right after this, we'll talk some Panthers. Videos, articles, and what's going on in the Pirate Nation. I thought that's what Facebook updates were for. Like and comment on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page right now. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. All right, uh, so Friday we were on uh, the statewide Adam Gold Show. You hear it right here from uh, noon until 3 on 94.3 The Game. was back on the uh, roundtable. And uh, they put me on with uh, our next guest, and he suffered an embarrassing defeat. But he was good enough to come on my show here. (laughs) He is the... uh, co-host of the number one show in Charlotte on WFNZ, Mac and Bone Show. It is Travis T-Bone Hancock. Uh, what do you want me to call Is it T-Bone? Would you want me to call you that? Or Travis, what would you like me to call you? Hey, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, taking your victory gracefully, as it sounds. Yes, that's uh, right. Very, very kind of you. T-Bone T-Bone is fine. I, I go by that more than my regular name at this point. So uh, ah. that's fine. It, it's great It's great to be on in Greenville. I'm excited to do this for you, no doubt. Well, we're thrilled to have you on. And uh, I, look, Ben, who you talked to, our producer, huge Panthers fan. So right. He may chime in here with uh, a couple of questions. But I, I, I want to know what in the world is going on with this coaching search out in Charlotte. It seemed like it was a pretty closed book deal, but. Uh, we're we're still kind of lingering into into this. What yeah, what's going it felt on? Like with the, yeah, it felt like with the way the season was going towards the end there, that, that Steve Wilkes would have the inside track for this thing in terms of how he was viewed by the the players on the roster, the fans, the the past players. It felt like that this was trending towards a Steve Wilkes hire, but you know they came out last week and said it's going to be a a short list and. Here we are a week later, Patrick, and I swear that you and I might be on this list here before long. <laughs> right. I mean, they are, they're going through, you know, 10 names of head coaches. They're interviewing defensive coordinators now uh, before they hire the head coach. So a search that seems so simple, you know, seven to 10 days ago, uh, it's now in another stage where you have to wonder 
with all these names that are out there, all these offensive names and possible DCs, you know, are they trending towards an offensive guy? We're hearing that David Tepper loved Ben Johnson, the OC from the Lions. And, you know, as far-fetched as it seemed for a while, David Tepper meets with Sean Payton on Thursday in New York. And, you know, I didn't think compensation-wise it would happen, but David Tepper, man, he might be willing to just go for the fences on something here. So who knows, man. It doesn't appear, though, that uh, Steve Wilkes is in that top tier of guys right now. Yeah, it does not. Uh, We've got Travis Hancock, T-Bone. From WFNZ, yeah. their their popular number one rated uh, morning show out there in uh, Charlotte, not just in sports, in the whole daggone market. So yeah, we we're, have a big we're market media with, star, um, ben. We're popular with high school kids and people that have trouble sleeping. Those are That's the demos it. we thrive in. Yeah, like Ben, like my guy Ben B Baby <laughs> Byron over there. You're <laughs> right up his alley. So. You know, you brought up the offensive guys, and then it is very strange that they're interviewing defensive coordinators. Can we read anything into any of the coordinator candidates that they've interviewed? You know, we tried to tie them together and try to figure out the the connections, and there's so many names. You had to go back and really start to figure out, hey, how does this guy connect to this guy? However, uh, Christmas Eve, when we're all preparing for the holidays, the report came out that, when Sean Payton is returning to the league, he would want Vic Fangio to be the DC. Right. So there's a pretty easy connection there. Also, um, Vic Fangio right now is a consultant in Philadelphia, where Shane Steichen is the OC. So mm. Vic Fangio has a couple of uh, connections there, and he's the original Panther uh, DC in 1995. So he's got connections there. Um, Mark Juan Manuel is another guy in Atlanta, the uh, defensive backs coach that they're interviewing for the DC. He's got ties to Scott Sidwer and Dan Morgan in Seattle. So that's the tie there, but man, it's been hard for us. You can imagine Patrick and Ben, how many, how many dots we're trying to connect here, man. It, it's hard because it's just a guessing game. No one knows. And when yeah. you're trying to go inside the mind of the billionaire, David Tepper, who knows, right? I mean, I'm not a billionaire. I don't want to break the news in Greenville, but I, I'm not a billionaire. So it's kind of hard to figure out, like, you know, is he just desperate to do anything, whether it's a trade-up in the draft or Sean Payton? It's hard to really, you know, we're guessing along with people at times. You know, we have information here and there about right. a way they may lean. But, you know, it's just there's so much connecting here. It's gotten very convoluted a little bit. Do you think uh, Fitterer makes this job attractive, maybe to potential candidates? Yeah, I think so. Based off, I mean, he's done a you know, there's been some some hits there. Frankie Wuvu at linebacker, my goodness, he could have been a a Pro Bowl or All Pro this year. He was a tremendous signing. He's got some hits, you know. He's got some misses. T.J. Henderson trade and Keith Taylor and Davion. You know, he's got some. He's got some good things that he's done. He's also been involved in in some questionable things so far. But we don't really talk a lot about him in Charlotte based from a heat perspective because right. I think we all kind of want to see what he does without Matt Rule. What what was Matt Rule's presence there in these picks and these moves and the quarterback moves? I'm not trying to not blame Fitterer for anything. But I think we all kind of want to see, hey, man, let's give this guy another, you know, year, year and a half, whatever. Well, but I, I just wonder, is he, is he an appeal to the job to what, what otherwise is a little bit of a, 
you know, shaky potential situation because of what he did in yeah. Seattle, at least. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Their front office is pretty good. Dan Morgan's there. Samir Suleiman. They've got a pretty good front office. So I think that that would be attractive to uh, a coach. But on the other side, you know, does David Tepper scare people away? The owner, oh, yeah. you know, that's the money's money goes a long way. But you know, that's the thing about when Jim Harbaugh was calling people. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh was actually calling teams to get back into the NFL, and David Tepper and, and Jim Harbaugh would have never meshed as personalities. So it's got to be the right personality. It, it would have made for some interesting yeah. mornings for you, though. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no doubt. Chaos, chaos personified with those two, but that would have never lasted too long. Trev has been here. Obviously, they have some soul-searching to do at the head coaching position, but same can be said for the quarterback position. I know Panthers fans have probably been blowing you up about that whole deal. Uh, what would you prefer? Do you stick with Sam Darnold, depending on do you look at the quarterback class, either you really love it or you really hate it? You at least got options in the free agent class. I mean, Lamar seems like a long shot, but it's a possibility. Derek Carr seems like the most Panthers move ever. Um, and then you still yeah. got Matt Corral on the roster. Uh, where would you like to see them trend when it comes to that quarterback yeah. position next year? A lot, lot of directions to go there. I, I Carr is intriguing only because, you know, he's not Bridgewater, Mayfield, or Darnold. You know, he's a little more accomplished, and he's just better overall. I'm not saying he's upper echelon, but he yep. is an upgrade over what we've seen. And if you did get an offensive mind in here, if you're going to go the vet route, that would be the way to go. Darnold's the bridge guy. Uh, they're going to need some vets here no matter who the young quarterbacks are. So Darnold, I think, you know, whether he gets the starting job, I, I think he played well enough for the most part to earn at least the bridge backup job. Matt Corral, we have no idea because that injury happened so early. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put too much stock in him hit or miss because of where he was picked. It would be great to hit on Matt Corral. If they don't, not a huge thing in my opinion. Um, you know, the draft is gonna be absolutely wild where the Panthers are. They're at nine. And this is not a draft where like when Jacksonville was taking Patrick's favorite long haired QB Trevor Lawrence. You mm. knew that Jacksonville was going number one quarterback. No one was trading to number one. Well, with Chicago at one, that's a trade spot. But also at three is the Cardinals. That's a trade spot because they yeah. just signed Kyler Murray. So ordinarily you would say, all right, well, the Panthers would probably have to trade from nine to three. And then Houston takes somebody. And then, you know, number one was a quarterback. Houston would take a quarterback. And then they could figure it out. But if you traded the three, who's to say a team like the Colts at four doesn't go right by you or a team down the line go right by you to go to number one? So if you want Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud badly enough, I don't think going to three might get it done right away. You may have to go to number one, but the Panthers are so desperate. I think that they may have to do that. And I think C.J. Stroud would probably be the guy. I just. I don't know. I know Bryce Young is special. I know he's a magician. I know he's talented. But that frame, man, that scares me at the NFL level. I, I, I know, yeah. but I just, I prefer Stroud in the trade. I, Young could be great. I've been wrong a lot. But that frame, man, that's a very unique height and weight for an NFL quarterback. T-Bone from Mac and T-Bone on WFNZ in Charlotte. Mornings uh, there, 92-7 in, uh, in the Queen City. So Tom Brady uh, and the Bucks lose last night. Uh, I still think there's pretty good football 
winning football at the very least in his future if he decides to keep playing. He's got to go to the right situation. Uh, uh, I'm sure you heard the cut. Ben, do we have it with uh, the final thing? He said, let's play the cut and then uh, just w- just get your reaction to Brady and where he may wind up. Uh, here's, okay. here's what he said to the media as he uh, left the uh, podium last night. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and... Um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. So that doesn't sound like, at the very least, he's going to be back in Tampa. Where, where do you think – where does he wind up eventually? Well, first of all, as a Jets fan uh, my entire life, I've been trying to kill off this vampire, this football vampire, <laughs> since I was a junior in high school. I'm nearly 40. So I've been trying to say Tom Brady's done for a long time, and I've been wrong along the way. I think he's done in Tampa. Um, I think that that is that is uh, pretty obvious to me. You know, he's getting linked to the Dolphins. You know, depending the depending the Tua situation there, I'm not sure if that's feasible or not. Yeah, I, I think he ends up in Vegas. They've got Devontae Adams. They've got Waller. They they hopefully will have for them Josh Jacobs back in there. Uh, he's got the relationship with Josh McDaniels, and I know that you'll say, well, people will say the Raiders need to to draft a young quarterback. Well, Josh McDaniels might not last much longer, so. I'm not sure McDaniels, if he has any say at all, I don't know. I don't know the Raiders that well. I don't know if McDaniels has a say. He probably would prefer to go that route. So I think Tom Brady uh, ends up in Vegas. I was going to say San Francisco there for a while, but, man, I don't know. Brock Purdy goes off to win a championship and plays as well as he's played. I don't know if the Niners are viable for that or not. I think he's still going to play at a pretty high level. And I think it's probably going to be my guess would be with Vegas. But, man, there's so much drama to be had with him, with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, man, it's going to be fun to watch. NFL is a year-long sport. Who knows? But my gut says he's going to try to go save his buddy's job, Josh Daniel. What about your Jets? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you talk about coming full circle, man. I don't know, man. That's where I think the Jets – you mentioned Carr. I think that's the team that needs to go get Carr, to be honest with you. I think okay. they got a good roster. they got a good defense. They've got some weapons. Yeah, they're building nicely. I think Carr, I think Carr to New York would, would kind of be they, – they've tried other routes before, but I think Carr to the Jets would, would make sense to me. Where does Rodgers wind up then? Uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, I was saying today on our show, last year we, uh, we waited for Sean McVay to – decide between TV and, and the Rams. He went to the Rams. We waited for Tom Brady to retire. He retired, ended up a buck. Aaron Donald almost retired, ended up a Ram. A lot of these same characters are making similar decisions again for next season. So I'm going to go ahead and say that based off of history, uh, Aaron Rodgers probably ends up back to the Green Bay Packers. And we probably go through it again next year. I don't I don't yeah. think he's going to leave. He'll, he'll be dramatic about it, I think, like he is, but their receivers got better as the year went along. So I, I think that yeah. – I think he's going to stay he'll, – he'll make a big deal about it and he'll be dramatic, but I think he ends up in Green Bay again. I, with Brady, 
Vegas, obviously, I think I think San Francisco is viable because family, and yeah. you know he's obviously building a McMansion in Miami, <laughs> so that might be where yeah. he winds up. I, I'm going to throw one out for for you here, really quick. The Titans. I think a lot has to happen, you know, because of the cap space issue there. But I just you got to have a running game with him at this point. I mean, yeah, he's got the connection to uh, Mike Vrabel's Brable, Mike yeah. connection, too, right? So he's, yeah. he's got that. So yeah, that's that's coming up, too. And I don't have the uh, – you guys can dig into that. I don't have the, the cap numbers in front of me or the, the dead cap hits. But at some point, the way it's gone, you have to think at some point that Minnesota is going to have enough of Kirk Cousins, right? They've got yeah. these wideouts. <laughs> they've got these weapons. You know, so at some yeah. point, they're going to look around and go, you know, they – a guy can really win there with Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So at some, oh, yeah. Point, at some point, a team's going to go, eh, our quarterback's going to go, I want to go there, and the Vikings are eventually, at some point, you know, based off of their situation, move on from Kirk. That's always an outlier to me is that Vikings are pretty well built offensively. I wonder if at some point they move on from Cousins when they can do it feasibly. And you play indoors, so that's not a factor, the weather. Yeah. So. It's, sure. it's that's that's an appealing one. Uh, the great Travis Hancock, T-Bone, my new BFF. And uh-huh. uh, will, will you come back on the show with us here? Absolutely, man. Hey, I'm looking forward to Charlotte 49ers, ECU, yeah. okay. same conference again. That's going to be fun, man. That, that rivalry is going to get juiced up again for football, same conference. Uh, Biff Pogey in Charlotte, the new head coach, is a, is a big yeah. talker. He told us they're going to be a playoff team here pretty soon. Uh, Mike wow. Houston doing work for the Pirates. I can't wait for Charlotte ECU to get going football-wise. I think that's going to be so much fun, man. I think it'll be uh, – my guess is they'll put it at the end of November, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll do a friendly wager then, and you'll lose again. I, I don't know what you lost last <laughs> time, but we'll do we'll do a wager then. We know Biff can write the checks. Can he cash them, though? Is did he you guys hear what, what Biff did? Biff today, he – he hired a associate head coach that's not a football guy. He's a business guy. So he's got a he's got a business advisor as his associate head coach now. Well, he's kind of a business guy himself, isn't he? I mean, that's Yeah, he's 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 what he's a millionaire from from investment. Right. So I'm telling you right now, this is gonna make it fun. It's gonna be a fun time. Greenville, Charlotte, knocking heads every year. I cannot wait for that to be a thing for all of us to talk about. We need to get uh, you down here for the game. That's what we need to do. That's when they play this year. I need to go to Suck Dog. I need to go to Suck yeah. Dogs. I hear so yeah. much about it. Yeah. You can stay with Ben. Ben lives right like across <laughs> the street from it or something. So you just crash on his couch. You'll be fine. I've, I've made many my, a trip to Suck Dogs. Yeah. I'll bring my new friend Biff with me and his new buddy is business. The business guy will pay the bill, He's right? paying, yeah. Guy. He can yeah. buy the place oh, yeah. if he wants to. <laughs> He's got to pick up the tab. I appreciate it, All right. Thank you, T-Bone. Good to talk to you. Uh, really Thank good you to have him on. Have a good day. Uh, it's Travis Hancock, WFNC in uh, Charlotte. Uh, FNZ in Charlotte, excuse me. All right, uh, I tell you what, why don't we grab a break, Ben? We'll come back with an update, and then we'll uh, hear from uh, Coach Swartz. Some comments made today ahead of the game against Temple tomorrow. Uh, we'll do that after uh, an update from Ben, which follows this timeout. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? 
The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Ben Barm here for 94.3 The Game Sports Update. Bad news for Pirate Basketball on the Inside ECU Athletics Radio Show on 94.3 The Game. Head coach Mike Schwartz updated the status of leading scorer Javon Small after he missed Sunday's game. Following an injury late in the game at Cincinnati last week, Schwartz comments on the current injury status of Javon Small from last night. You know, I think right now he is out, and I think, you know, at least for the immediate future as he's trying to get nail it down exactly, uh, you know, what the process is in terms of him getting healthy again, I think he'll be out for the, for the foreseeable future. Parts back in action tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in Philadelphia. Network coverage begins at 6.30 right here on the flagship station of the Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Local pregame coverage begins at 6 o'clock with yours truly right here on the game as well. Caleb Account will look to take over point, go- point guard duties in the meantime. Holt Ayler's taking to Twitter to announce he'll participate in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. That is described as the premier postseason all-star game for draft-eligible college players. The game will be played in L.A. on the 28th. Ayler's was named the MVP of the weekend's Hula Bowl, or over the weekend, the game will air on the NFL Network. ECU football sees another key player hit the portal in cornerback Malik Fleming. He has one year of eligibility remaining, and the Pirates have found their replacement secondary coach in Jules Mont- Montanar. Montanar recently was the secondary's coach at Temple. The Pirates' previous coach and Steve Ellis took a job at Louisville as a secondary's coach a few weeks ago. The Panthers requested permission to interview Saints defensive backs coach Chris Richard for their defensive coordinator opening. The team is also continuing its search for a new head coach. Carolina has an interview scheduled with Sean Payton this week. The Panthers' current list of candidates also includes Ken Dorsey, Ben Johnson, Mike Kafka, Kellen Moore, Frank Reich, and Shane Steichen. Tonight, North Carolina is hosting ACC rival Boston College at the Dean Smith Center. The Tar Heels have won three of their last four. In other action, NC State visits Georgia Tech. And Wake Forest hosts 19th-ranked Clemson. The Houston Cougars are once again the top team according to the latest college basketball coaches poll. Kansas, Purdue, Alabama, and UCLA round out the rest of the top five. Duke among those dropping out of the poll. And in local high school hoops, Farmville Central hosting an MLK Day event yesterday. They trailed first flight in the third quarter, but ended up rallying back and winning 112 to 71. And how can I forget ECU baseball, 11th on the D1 baseball rankings, number one in the conference polls, in the coaches and media poll. No surprise there. All right, now we got that out of the way. It's time for today's second Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, all right, all right. Uh, This is uh, Coach Swartz on uh, how the Pirates will deal with the Javon Small injury. Sure, of course it's difficult. You know, he leads us in scoring, leads us in uh, assists. He's a high usage guy for us. the ball in his hands, late clock, um, you know, what we do on offense. And he's a really good rebounder. I mean, still, he's a guy who's between four and five rebounds. He's one of the top 20 rebounders in this conference. And, and as a point guard, that's a lot. But probably what's even more challenging is you, you don't just replace those statistics. Obviously, it doesn't work like that. But it changes the rotation and it changes how you have to try and play. And that's probably the bigger challenge. Coach says that the Pirates have to have a next man up mentality with small out. 
I, I think it's, I don't think you can ever just replace anybody with one guy. I think no matter if he's your leading scorer or, or someone at the front of your lineup or even, you always, committee's going to have to do it. Guys are going to have to step up and it's going to be a combination of guys who had a, maybe a, a smaller role and that role gets increased and then guys that maybe didn't even have a role in terms of minutes. Everybody's got a role, a really important role for us, but maybe guys that didn't see the court as much or saw the court at all and they were maybe not playing, now they have to give you something. So I think it's going to be by committee and you know it starts with Caleb though it's going to start with Caleb at the point guard spot obviously and then we have to find different ways uh, to keep trying to improve on that and coach says the team's youth and lack of experience is a hard thing to overcome it, you know it's a great point and then I'd say this and someone brought this stat to me this morning it's something I haven't liked to think about a lot and you know and I know everyone said it you guys are young we're actually the 354th youngest team in division one right now uh, you know statistically it might say 348 out of 363 but I think there's six teams that are transitioning into division one that are all older than us but they give them zero experience in division one because they're transitioning teams in so we're, we're one of the very bottom 10 in terms of experience and age 354 out of 363 so with that being said this is the first time that not only a lot of them are going through it a lot of these guys would be in high school their seasons would be getting close to getting to playoffs and whatnot and you know last game we had two freshman starters with Caleb and Ezra in the game then you also have guys that maybe didn't play as much earlier in their career some of the returning guys whether it was Javon who's not available now but Brandon and RJ and Luigi last year guys that are playing heavier minutes coming back and then guys that were coming in some of the transfers whether it be Quentin Demunje who played really well last game uh, Ben Baella or Jaden Walker they weren't in this position being counted on at their previous institution mid-January going through the grind as you said so I think we're learning the guys have a really upbeat mindset we had a really good practice yesterday nobody wants to lose losing is hard and it should be and you hate to lose and you hate to lose more than you like to win but we're going to keep this as a very upbeat positive energy moving forward because I've always told you this team we got to find a way just to get better every single time and that includes the games win or lose and Mike Swartz uh, telling us that the Pirates uh, have struggled defensively as of late. He uh, goes into some detail on that. Of course, uh, you know, I think it, and it, regardless of if you have everyone healthy or you don't, I mean, you know how I feel about defense and what I think and where we have to have it. And we had a really nice five-game stretch. Uh, defense didn't mean that we were able to win all those games, but we were playing really good on the defensive side uh, from a statistical standpoint and also doing what we wanted. And then versus Cincinnati, in particular and versus South Florida, our ability to defend the three-point line uh, was not very good. And it started from the beginning of the game, the Cincinnati game, and we know what they did. And then South Florida, mostly in the second half, you know, Tyler Harris got going. And we didn't defend the three-point line those two games. You know, you go back to that Memphis game, we lose, but it really wasn't our defense. It was our offense that allowed them to have high offensive numbers because we turned it over so much and it led directly to baskets. And there's no defense for that. Anytime they're turning you over in a trap or a turnover that leads to a layup, the numbers are going to be high. And that was the Memphis game. So I really didn't look at that as a poor defensive game. In fact, we played really well defensively in the first half and even the second half. We just couldn't. Ball security really hurt us. But we have not been very strong on defense uh, on the road at Cincinnati and, and the other day versus uh, South Florida. And coach talking about the prep for Temple after uh, playing them 
uh, just a few weeks ago. A little bit of both. I mean, you absolutely have to go back, and I mean, we've studied that game film a ton, and you look at it. But again, uh, the, you know, Damian Dunn will be available this game, so they were without him. But you go back definitely, and you look at what they did that uh, that hurt us. You look at anything that we were able to have success with, and you hope we can capitalize on that. And you look at that, but probably they're going. playing really good basketball. Remember when they came in to play us? It was right after the break. They had not been playing their best basketball leading into the break. And Coach McKee did a great job. He shifted the lineup around, and they and they really found something. They're playing as good as anybody is in this league right now. So uh, going into our game, what they did in here and what they've done since, and obviously they're coming off of a very difficult loss the other day versus Memphis. Um, they're playing as good a basketball as anyone, and, and they've got done back. So you have to also look at what they've been doing uh, presently and more recently. Yeah, Dunn from Kinston, uh, of course, uh, broke the Pirates' hearts last year in Philadelphia with the game-winning uh, shot Temple's coming off a heartbreaking uh, shot against them by Memphis on uh, Sunday. This is uh, Coach Swartz' quick uh, hit on Damian Dunn here. Yeah, he's just a phenomenal scorer. I mean, he's a, um, he's a very talented player. He's one of the very best uh, guards and, and scoring offensive players that there is in this league and uh, just makes Temple even that much better than they were uh, when they were here, and they were really good when they were here too. A break. We'll come back, wrap the show up after this. I've just got time for one more round. And action. Pirates. Play there. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. Uh, put it pants. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. <laughs> It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Our old uh, pal Kevin Miller was on with uh, the uh, Adam Gold show today. That was good. Glad to hear that. Steve Logan was on there today, too. Uh, Adam Gold has a podcast of his show uh, through 99.9 The Fan. We have a podcast of our show posted on uh, our page, 94.3thegame.com. You can check it out uh, there. A uh, full pie. It's not the best of because it's all so good. It's all so good. That's what we do. Um, Tom Brady asked last night about what's next. This is what he answered. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight. And, and then, uh, or when you want to take a step out, I mean, that was first. No, I'm not. You know, I, this has been a lot of focus on, you know, this game. So, yeah. It's just be one day at a time, truly. So Logan talked about, uh, and Ben, I know you remember this, the year the uh, Broncos won it with Manning. Of course, they beat the Panthers. Peyton Manning couldn't throw the football. Oh, yeah. No, he he, was terrible that year. He literally couldn't throw the football. uh, But he got his second ring, and he led the Broncos to the Super Bowl. One of the greatest defenses we've ever top 10 for sure, at least. And they ran the ball. Yeah. Now, Brady is not, but he threw it 66 times last night. And you're not going to win. I don't care who you are. You're not going to win with Brady throwing it 60-some-odd times. And he was playing reckless, too. Like, there was a lot of just, like, what is he doing right now? Like, just well, slow down. He didn't ha- The talent around him has eroded. Yeah, I agree. And there are situations. Miami's won. New York is won with the Jets. To a degree, I guess Vegas is won. Certainly the Niners are won. I mean, in the right situation, especially with the tight end... 
look, Brady could go somewhere there and instant contender. He's not washed. This talk of him being washed is premature. Now, can he? Is he going to lead you by throwing it sixty times? No. If you have a defense and you can run the football and you have some tight ends and some good receivers, he's going to make good decisions, generally speaking. Uh, thanks to Travis Hancock, T-Bone, for being on with us today. Uh, we'll get you ready for ECU and Temple tomorrow. As always, thanks to the great Ben B-Baby Byram. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town and uh, back here tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. I shot the sheriff. I swear it was in self-defense.